0: This is A Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Our public school system is underfunded and under siege from politicians. And the schools that serve black and brown students face extra challenges. But there are still many success stories and reasons for hope. These
1: aren't exceptional students. There are exceptional people, ordinary people who do exceptional things in the schools to ensure that we lift up the young people.
0: More on the film, Defining Us children at the crossroads of change coming up on a word with me jason johnson stay with us
2: this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real pos you need shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory shopify pos has everything you need to sell in person Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
0: Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. This September, A Word is focused on education. Today, we're looking more closely at how public schools can and should adapt to serving the majority of their students who are black and brown. Defining Us, Children at the Crossroads of Change, is a documentary that aims to open that conversation and to redefine the stakes for America's future.
1: If we have associations and beliefs that certain parts of our population could be written off and marginalized, our society is in for a lot
0: of trouble. That's the voice of career educator Paul Forbes. He's a diversity and equity consultant and the executive producer of Defining Us. And Paul Forbes joins us now. Welcome to A Word.
1: I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: What inspired you to make this film, Defining Us?
1: So I've been an educator for all my life, right? 24 plus years in the New York City Department of Education, the largest school system in the country in various roles. In the last couple of years, probably about 10 years ago, I was asked to lead, at the time, the largest public-private partnership in the country, the Expanded Success Initiative that was coming out of Mayor Bloomberg's Young Men's Initiative, right, that was focused on um, improving outcomes for Black and Latino young men in health, justice, employment, and education. I was blessed to be leading the educational component as I said, ESI, the Expanded Success Initiative, which is focused on um, ensuring that our Black, Latino young men were not just graduating, but graduating college and career ready. You know, during the time that I was doing that work, I, I always said from the beginning, it was important that we tell our story. Oftentimes folks just aren't aware. And so I wanted to make sure we were memorializing and capturing the stories and also capturing the work we're doing, what worked when it didn't work, you know, so we feel upward to make sure we were learning from and that we could share this in New York City. It's actually um, the videographer and Connect With Kids, Stacey DeWitt, was a director and CEO, who I reached out to and joined us to in that process. And as she's doing this work, she said, Paul, I'm working all over the country in many districts, And folks are asking me the question of what works? What should be done with specifically Black, Latino young men? And out of that, the work that had been was being done. As you said, we need to share the stories. I didn't know. We didn't plan to have a documentary. But I planned to ensure that the stories were being told and captured. And out of that comes this amazing documentary defining us children at the crossroads of change.
0: So you spent more than like 20 years inside the public school system and ended your career as you know chief of educational equity anti-bias and diversity for New York City public schools from that experience what did you see as the most critical way that schools are basically failing black and brown kids like what was the thing that at the end of that career you're like goodness great if we could just do this what was that thing
1: you know there were so many things right I'm currently a, a consultant right I'm a Bias awareness, um, an equity consultant, and I think my answer is gonna come out of that. You know, we speak about um low expectation, we speak about um the mindset, but we carry a lot of bias-based beliefs every day, right? As human beings, I'm gonna start with just as human beings, we have bias-based beliefs, and as I look at and it's spoken about in the documentary, as you look at. Anything that was of educational attainment that was negative, like suspensions, like referral to special education, black and brown bodies, specifically black and Latino young men, were at the top of that. They were always, you know, the highest numbers. And if it was something positive, honors classes, um, AP courses, anything that, that, that was set up to say this shows success Black and brown bodies, specifically Black Latino young men, were at the bottom disproportionately, and so I think about how many amazing, well-intentioned educators, administrators that I've worked with, that I've met across the country, and I hear, right, the mindset of of we believe we, we all can, we all can equity for all, and 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 all children can learn, but then I look at the our policies, practices, procedure, and, and and I wondered, what was the cognitive disconnect? And, you know, it's, it'd be one thing when I say, well, all these people just believe genetically black and brown kids cannot learn, but I don't believe that. I believe though they've been affected, you know, been, as, I, as I say in my workshops, we've been drinking the same water, we've been breathing the same air, it's affecting us and we don't realize it. And so I begin with those, you know, what do you believe when you see Paul Forbes, Jason Johnson, what, 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 what immediately comes up, what kind of, as I would say, the associations that come up for us, and I would argue that that is a key part of um, what I'm seeing, if we could begin with that foundational conversation about the bias based beliefs, what we've seen, what we've been exposed to, what we've seen on t- television, and be honest. I think we could have truly have constructive conversations, and which is why this story, this documentary is so powerful, because I know the neuroscience tell us that if we know more about each other, if we know the stories of others, that absolutely helps us to mitigate. It won't eliminate our biases, but it mitigates, and we see folks in different roles and different places. But that's important just for us to know that it is possible because we're hearing the stories, we're seeing others, it can be done.
0: You know, something that was really interesting to me in this film is that, you know, we hear from teachers, administrators, whatever, people of all races. People are shockingly candid, like they actually talk about race the way that people actually do. Um, And this is one thing that got me. Here's a clip from uh, Courtney Winkfield, who's currently a strategist for New York City public schools.
2: If we can't talk about race, we sure can't understand the impact that it has on our decision making as educators, on how we write policies. And on how we uh, position and make choices around curriculum instruction that our young people experience every single day.
0: So, for context for the audience, Miss um, Wingfield is white, and you don't often hear—I mean, honestly—you just don't often hear white people who are actually dealing with black folks every day use that kind of candor and make those kinds of connections. Um, you know, how widely accepted is it within education that? race is informing policy. Like, you know, do most people, are most people coming to the understanding that Ms. Wingfield has come to, or is it still even a battle to get people to recognize this?
1: I don't know all educators. I haven't been in all districts. What I will say from my experiences, both in New York City, the largest school system in the country, and places where I go to do this work, is a challenge, right? Like, there's acknowledgement. that there's something going on. Part of the work that we do out of Teachers College, part of the work that we've been doing is just educating and informing, right? And so I know that these discussions have led to more educators being not only aware, but also allowing for the conversations to occur. Courtney Wingfield, you know, she, went through Glenn Singleton's courageous conversations, right? And so learned about how to talk about race. And as uh, as you said, a white woman who's an educator with a principal um in East New York was able to see and learn. And if you speak to Courtney, she would say that there were many things that she has learned, right? That she has unpacked in her own as a well-intended white educator who came, there might have been a savior mentality piece. So she had to learn. She had her own journey. And so it's still it's still there, right? It's still, there's still people who make a connection. with here DEI, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, that they think automatically this is just about race. And then if you talk about race, then it's, if I'm a white person, then it's going to be about a shame and blame. What we're seeing, though, is when folks are vulnerable and willing, that they're able to engage in a conversation. And so it's still there. But I believe that there's, because of this work, we have now been able to at least invite folks to come in and we'll probably talk about the murder of George Floyd, but that also ignited something for folks to be able to say, this is real.
0: We're going to take a short break. and we come back, more on the education documentary, Defining Us. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
0: This is Jason Johnson, host of A Word, Slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered A Word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at aword@slate.com. Thank you. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about Defining Us, a new documentary about America's public school students with career educator Paul Forbes. So this documentary highlights several black high student students who would be classified as, you know, at risk. I've never been particularly comfortable with that phrase. Um, you know, these are kids who have experienced homelessness, who live in poverty, whose parents are in jail, in and out of jail. And in any end, you know, these kids... Some of them, you know, they beat the odds. One of them is Darren Allen. He's a student in Southern California and a scholar despite a really tough childhood. I want to play this
2: clip. I remember when my mother was was taken to prison and the officer said she's not a bad person, she just made a bad decision. I had to make a mature decision to say, what am I here for? My father is gone, my mother is gone. What am I going to do? Not saying I won't end up like my mother, like my father saying that they're bad figures, but... What am i going to do to make sure that i know i'm on the right path
0: why was it important for you to feature success stories because you know a lot of times in documentaries the risk is if i feature success stories then people watch and they're like oh see the system works or if they work hard enough they'll get through so why did you feature success stories and then how did you sort of find that balance between making these exceptional black people, right? (laughs) And still saying, hey, look, the system is failing these kids.
1: As you watch the documentary, this is about the stories of our young people, but you also hear the stories of some of our adults, right? So you hear like Dr. Kirkland out of NYU, and he speaks about just that, right? This idea of when he tells his story of where he came from in Detroit, being homeless, having a mother who was on drugs and selling her body, He basically concludes and says, you know, there's people that will say, you you made it. You were a success. And he said, I shouldn't be the exception. I should be the rule. You know, one thing I wanted to be showing, and again, this was a conversation I had very early on before we were doing a documentary. which We were simply memorializing with Stacey DeWitt from CWK and, again, the director of Defining Us. I say that I don't want to... um, Not on the backs of our young men are you going to be who you are, right? You're not going to just come in and just record. And I don't want our young people being taken advantage of to be seen as and say, oh, look, look at this and lift them up, almost fetishize, right? Didn't want that to happen. What was important was that we just met and worked with students that we would see in any schools, right, that was black and brown. These aren't exceptional students there are exceptional people, ordinary people who do exceptional things in the schools to ensure that we lift up the young people. And so, yeah, when we look and we see, we say, okay, uh, Darion, for example, got a scholarship, went to um, a Posse scholarship actually, and went to University of Wisconsin and Madison and was doing his work and just recently graduated and come back and he's come back to his home um, to really begin to lift up as a filmmaker and to build upon. like right, We hear about Angel Diaz, for example, who was in the Bronx, and tough, tough situation. Angel now is back at his school, the Academy for Applied Math and Science, and he's there working in the school as a TA, right? And so what we're seeing is that, again, there's people who, again, will always try to find right they have confirmation bias is what we talk about they'll say okay you see i told you but what we're seeing is that and, and if some folks i don't care how many people we product there they'll always be that disbelief right or say that's the exception or say you see because they need to assuage their own guilt and their own issues that they work through and that's their own process but what we know for the vast majority when you're watching and, and responses we've been getting is that many folks black white asian latinx have watched this documentary and said i know that story that was me and so i appreciate that so i think we had a nice balance in doing so
0: most of the educators that we hear from and defining us they talk about the importance of relationships between teachers and kids especially in these schools that are serving students of color it makes me think about something i've talked with previous guests in this our sort of education time about this this idea of a black tax right that if you're the black teacher, the Latino teacher at a school, you're just assumed to have to do extra things. You are the person who's going to be, uh, you know, the administrator for the Kwanzaa program. You are the person that they take Daquan to when he's upset, et cetera, et cetera. And that's exhausting in its own way, right? It becomes this sort of additional responsibility. Not everybody who's going in to teach is a qualified diversity expert. What do you think of that idea that some of this work creates a little bit of a black tax and and what do you say to a person who's like look I love my job I love teaching but I want to be able to go and teach and go home
1: as you're asking the question I'm having my own reflection and my own because I speak about that in the documentary for myself of where reliving watching the callous murder of George Floyd and how that affected me and, and it was during a session, a virtual session I was doing for New York City staff during, you know, while we were quarantined that I checked Twitter and saw this thing trending. I said, what is this? And put me in a dark place for a few weeks. Right. And just saying, why am I doing this? Because then I got the phone calls from administrators and teachers. Paul, can you come to a town hall for our teachers and for our community and this? And and I was doing it. And in there, I kept saying, why? Why me? I see myself in George Floyd. That could have been me. I mean, literally, I say that. People say, "Well, well, could it couldn't be because you would be." No, it could be me because I know how the system works, right? And so I talked about that tax, right? Of then having to go in and have to help others heal while I'm going through the process myself. That being said. You know, there is research about um, affinity binds, about the connections we make with each other. And so we understand. And again, we see Ingrid Chung, the teacher who becomes the principal in the poorest congressional district in the, in the South Bronx, who started the Emoja program, where I speak about, again, Angel Diaz. And I remember Ingrid Chung years ago coming to me and saying, can an Asian woman from Ohio come here and do this work and i said i want to know about your heart and i want to know about your mind right are you committed is this you know the intentions and the willingness about impact when you have those ouch moments when things happen won't be perfect and we had that conversation ingrid has been ingrid chung has been amazing um, as an example right of what can be done she had colleagues who are white who led the moja program and so yes there is a tax and I know, I believe that we need to have the allies and the advocates and the folks who will be true anti-racist and say, we're about this work, we're committed to it. And when people say to me, Paul, I'm tired of having to lead these conversations and be the ones that's being referred to, I get it. I, I feel it, I know it. And I still say that's part of my commitment to this, to ensure that again, um, the ignorance is expelled and that people are aware. So I would ask and challenge my educators to say, how often do we hear about, oh, I just got these grades, I'm an honest student, I'm this, 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 and that, and forget about the connections and the love and the motivation. And when you start thinking about that, consider what, again, our role is. It's much more than the content. And I think, again, that's conveyed in this documentary.
0: One thing that your documentary really doesn't talk about a lot is, like, test scores and numbers, which is the thing that policy leaders uh, tend to be sort of obsessed with. You know, do you think that's part of the problem? Because if you talk to political leaders, if you talk to – you know, the mayors and school board members, they're concerned about test scores. But from what you're telling me and what this documentary says is those aren't really good measures of success. So is is the problem we don't know how to measure success or is the problem that the numbers that we're using are off?
1: Folks do not know the history of standardized testing that we know today. If you are listening to this and you're not aware of what eugenics is, right, go Google it and find out. Right. And and I say that humbly because I've been doing this work as a career educator, and it was a few years ago, maybe six, seven years ago, while I'm at a conference in Atlanta, when I first heard and learned about eugenics. And it has changed my views of why we're doubling down on and understanding what the SAT, where that came out of. I believe that if our policymakers would just, again, spend more time with, you know, in the schools and or having conversations with the folks that understand why this is, and how this is, is detrimental, I think they would also have that paradigm shift and realize we, are, we have gone way too far and for too long. And we keep saying, how many more moving, no child left behind, race to the top, race to the bottom, all these different initiatives, but they're still at the core, we're missing something. And so my hope is that whether it's this documentary, these kinds of conversations, what's going on in the country of saying what should be taught, what should be discussed. Hopefully, folks will begin to see this new generation of politicians and folks who are decision makers that they themselves, or this new millennials and the Gen Zs, and they're coming up and saying, we know, we know the truth. That's not what it's about we're gonna change the narrative as well. And so hopefully, like I said, a documentary like this is showing, let's double down on the relationships, the connections and um, culture climate um, to be the thing, but not neglecting academics. We are very clear that academics and learning, again, Gloria Latson Billen says, let's make sure we have academics, let's be culturally competent, but let's also be critically conscious to help us as we make a better tomorrow. <laughs>
0: We're going to take a short break when we come back. More about the documentary defining us and the future of American public schools. This is a word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
3: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
2: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking with Paul Forbes about the new documentary, Defining Us about educating black and brown students in America's diverse public schools. So social-emotional learning is something else that educators in the film, they talk a lot about, teaching kids to understand their feelings and craft, you know, kind of the healthiest response. Social-emotional learning is under attack by kind of the same people who don't like critical race theory. What is so controversial about it? Like, boil it down why is a local parent or a group of parents on Facebook, why are they against social and emotional learning? What's the pushback?
1: You know, if I say to teachers, the parents, do you want your child to be a critical thinker, to be able to take information, unpack it, dissect it? Most would say, yes. Okay, well, that's exactly what we're doing. My thing has always been, I need to lift up and show what is working. I can show you years and years of work they've been doing and show you that when you are culture responsive, when you allow the lived experiences of our young people and families into classrooms, you get better results than when you say, no, that's the door, leave all of that outside on um, the door. And there's more people who know the value of social emotional learning. <clears throat> when you take away that acronym and just say, I know the value of love, relationships, support, and caring. And that's where I want to be. I want to be a place of love and support and caring and let that manifest and we see where we go from there.
0: You know, there's, there's a moment in Defining Us where you talk about sort of a crisis of faith that you had after George Floyd was murdered. And I want to play the audience that clip.
1: When I watched George Floyd, as I watched him um, As he was murdered, and I watched as a police officer was able to just casually kneel on his neck for over eight minutes as he screamed out for his mother, as bodily fluids flowed from him, as his spirit, his soul essence left him, we watched that. It made me really think about the work I do and why I do this work. And it really bothered me. It had me question whether or not with all the work that I'm doing, with all the work that so many of my colleagues are committed to. What difference are we really making? And at one point I said, you know what, that's it, I'm done.
0: I think a lot of black folk around the country sort of felt that way in whatever industry after seeing George Floyd murdered. And and even if they were in sort of nominally supportive environments, there was still just an extreme sense of national mourning and what the bleep am I even doing here and does any of this make a difference? What did you say to teachers and students to allow them to move forward in the face of a national lynching?
1: First, before I could tell anyone anything else, I had to talk to myself. I'm a man of faith and almost Job-like. I had to wonder why, right? And have to have that real conversation with my creator, my maker, and my faith. But like I said earlier, I was asked to do town halls and to do conversations with student bodies, with parents, with communities, with staff. I had to... Go back. What I did was, I started doing, I used Dr. King. I listened to Dr. King's speeches. I did some reflection and reading some um, of the ancestors and the folks on the shoulders of which I stand today that I know had gone through so much, right? And I started doing a series that was Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community. And so, using Dr. King and one of the people that is a role model and idol for me. That helped me to say, I got to keep on keeping on. And watching during the pandemic, just a cross section of folks who were in the streets, seeing the social movement that came as a result of seeing what I I believe Dr. King, you know, folks had to sit and watch. Dr. King used to talk about, or, or, or John Lewis, we know about Edmund Pettus Bridge and, Bloody Sunday, because there were people filming and watching, and Americans had to watch that, especially those in the North had to watch that on television. During a pandemic, people didn't have a choice. I think it was a perfect storm. They had to sit and watch it. You couldn't say, what? What happened in Minneapolis? But I never heard about that. You didn't have a choice. You had to sit. Everybody was home. You couldn't go anywhere. You had to experience that over and over and over, and I think that was important, and so my thing was how do I ensure that we're getting this message out, that people are learning more about the history? And that's part of my calling and my ministry. My father was a pastor. I didn't follow in theology, but I do believe that I'm bringing the good news to the believers and the unbelievers. And I think that's important. And so I wanted to honor that and um, honor those who came before as well as our children who are at the crossroads of change as they are moving forward to be that support.
0: My last question is this, just sort of simply, what's just the big takeaway that you want people to get from defining us?
1: It's about our willingness to hear and listen to each other, to hear our stories, hear about who we are, right? Hear what has made us who we are and where we are at this place. I end all of my sessions by saying, tomorrow's not promised to any one of us just love one another, support one another, listen and and, and talk with one another. We just need the hearts and minds, just the willingness to say, I'm gonna come together and just hear you. I'm gonna listen to you. And I think if folks can see that, then that will then um, translate to what happens in classrooms, in staff meetings, and each one of us can help in supporting one another by just doing and sharing And again, I'm just going to end by saying, let's just love. Let's get back to a place where we just say unconditional love. Disagree, have our moments, but come from a place of love and care. And I think we will make a better tomorrow.
0: Paul Forbes is an equity and diversity consultant and an executive producer of the documentary, Defining Us Children at the Crossroads of Change. You can see it now on Amazon Prime Video, YouTube, and other platforms. Paul Forbes. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you, brother.
0: And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Operations for Podcasts. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for word.